I see with my own naked eye. I gotta cut the cord and fall away. That instinct I can justify. And on, please. Dumois has the whole story. Did, did you it? hear what Dumois, Dumois said? Dumois, who is it? Oh, can you believe this blind item? Dumois was on that story a long time Sunday ago. Sunday mean celeb sightings with Dumois. I just DM'd Dumois. I cannot believe what I just read about I on Dumois. I need more. I need to hear more. Hello, and welcome to Do You, the show where you'll hear all the latest in celeb gossip and special exclusives that are not shared on my Instagram or anywhere else. I'll be your guide into the world of celeb news, sightings, and secrets. I will be giving you all of the information I have on your favorite topics every week. This week, we're talking to award-winning screenwriter and producer Diablo Cody about her new movie, Lisa Frankenstein. Then we're getting into the topics of the week, including F1 Intel, the Grammys, a hockey blind item, Shawn Mendes, King Charles, and some early aughts gossip. Let's get started. Before we dive into the latest celebrity intel, let's talk about a different kind of drama, the kind that involves our furry co-stars, our pets. I wanted to share a message from our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, who is here to help with unexpected veterinary bills. What's that? Well, with Spot Pet Insurance, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. You you would need that. Yeah. Saving up to 90% on vet bills sounds fantastic. (laughs) It sure is. And get this, spot pet insurance plans cover not only unexpected accidents and illnesses, but also offers an optional preventative care benefit. It can help with the cost of routine wellness, vaccines, and more. Is it pricey? Probably less expensive than a surprise $1,800 vet bill. And you know what that's like. It's not pretty. Just head over to spotpet.com for a free quote. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductibles, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com forward slash sample dash policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence, American Insurance Company, or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she is returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Do You. Hi, Ferris. Hello. How are you doing today? Super. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Good. Um, I'm, on the, I'm on the mend. 
Yeah. You've been on the mend for quite a while now. <laughs> now I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like opposite of mend. Oh, now you're, you're sick apart. now. Right. Yeah. Everyone stay healthy out there. It, it, it's been a battle yeah. the last month and a half. Um, okay. Let's get right into it. We have a guest today. Very exciting. We were just talking about her body of work, which I'm going to just like, I'm going to just read it because I think it's very impressive. I think that there's been some projects that she's been involved in that we said when we were reading her wiki page that mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't know. So yeah. without further ado, today's guest is Diablo Cody, who is an award-winning screenwriter. Her debut film, Juno, which everyone obviously has seen, won the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, the BAFTA Award for Best Original Screenplay, the Independent Spirit Award for Best First Screenplay, and the Writers Guild Award for Best Original Screenplay. Um, Diablo has since written numerous critically acclaimed films, including Young Adult, Tully, and the now cult classic Jennifer's Body, which I want to say 10 years ago, so that would be around 2013, I think I watched that movie 20 times. In yeah, a, you just you just were talking about this. Yeah, in a two month period, I don't know why it just like resonated with me during that time of my life. Was it like a safe movie for you? Yeah, it was a, a, safe, a safe place movie. movie. Safe place movie. Um, I watched it many times. <laughs> Diablo also created the Emmy Award winning series United States of Tara, which ran for three seasons on Showtime. Amazing show, also as well as One Mississippi for Amazon with Tig Notaro. Okay, this was the part that we said that was news to us. I'm sure a lot of our audience already knows this, but she won a Tony Award for her hit Broadway musical, Jagged Little Pill, based on Alanis Morissette's album of the same title. Diablo, welcome to Do You. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, thank you for coming on. We're here to actually talk about your new movie, which comes out on Friday, called Lisa Frankenstein. Actually, had someone in the Q and A last week say they were so excited for this movie to come out. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I was like, I I didn't know like how I didn't know how out it was because I received the screener two weeks ago. Ferris and I watched it. For, we, we we definitely want to get into it, but let's talk about Ferris. Who does it star? Just in case people does don't know. Yeah, so Lisa Frankenstein stars Catherine Newton as Lisa. Cole Sprouse as the creature. Carla Gugino. Love her. Plays Lisa's stepmom, right? Yeah, Yeah, her stepmom. That's right. Yes. And Joe Crest is her father. Right. And we also said one of our favorite characters was Taffy. Taffy. Oh. Who is played by who? Because I think she's a newer actress. Liza Soberano. Liza Soberano was amazing. I loved her so much. Okay, I think it's really important to say that this movie takes place in 1989. I knew it was in the 80s. I I waited patiently to see if the year would be shouted out. And I think about halfway through the movie, someone does say it's 1989. And I was so excited because... It's your favorite decade. It's my favorite decade. And 1989 was a highlight year for me. It was my year. I'm not going to say how old I was (laughs) because... That'll give away my ancient age. But why 1989? Well, I'm willing to out myself as someone who was 11 years old in 1989. (laughs) And I remember the 80s well. To me, that is like the decade of my heart. It was, I mean, 
so sort of inherently cinematic, just the big hair, big shoulder pads, colors. Um, there was this optimism uh, in the world, but it was also like Ronald Reagan era. So there was a darkness there. And it just, um, I think I'd always kind of wanted to set something at that time, especially, and not to be like a total cliche, but like writing about a, a, having events that take place in a world before smartphones. It's very liberating as a writer. I love that. I, I agree with that. And it was a liberating time to live in. Yeah, I mean, um, for me I, it was. I had zero responsibilities because I was a child. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it does seem that times were much simpler back then or were people just not talking about the things that they talk about now so openly. I think about that often. Well, there wasn't a there weren't platforms for that necessarily. Right, but I'm I'm just right, but I'm just saying I feel like a lot was hidden. Don't you? Like there was there was just <laughs> there were certainly fewer fewer discussions about mental health sexuality, all that stuff. Like, yes, the, things were really kept behind closed doors in a way that they aren't now, which was a right. bad thing. <laughs> I'm glad it that. It is a bad thing, yeah. but I, I do, I, I, it is a bad thing. You're right, but I'm kind of like, oh, I miss those it's, days. Anything set, any film set, any play set in the 80s, even the 90s, gives me personally such a warm feeling as well. There's just something about it. So I thank you for setting, for setting Lisa Frankenstein in that decade yes for that very reason alone and the tanning bed which is something I wanted to ask you about <laughs> the tanning bed I have no question about it I just wanted to bring up the tanning bed yeah, wh- you kept I don't know it was just such a bed. memorable f- fixture for me Lisa's attempt to like go in there and like make the creature presentable bring him back like just that tanning bed like 80s I think for vibe. me I just I I've never done one of those lie down tanning beds and they used to because the idea of getting in one, it always seemed like it was like a coffin or a slab. Mm-hmm. And so when I was writing the movie, I thought, what better place to reanimate a corpse than in a malfunctioning tanning bed? <laughs> no, it was, per- it was perfect. It was spot on perfect. I do want to say that the uh, set design and the costume design was very well done because you do see, you know, some some series or some movies that are set in the 80s and it's just a little off, but I want to say that this particular movie, I thought it was spot on. Like all in, no expense spared as far as like the detail. Right. Which and the I, accuracy. Right. Which as a lover of the 80s is something yeah, yeah. that I, I very much appreciated. Well. Yeah. The color scheme. Color like everything. Scheme. Yeah. Everything. There was a great love put into the production design. So that, that's much appreciated. Was, I was going to ask you growing up in a suburb of Chicago, in the 80s what did it resemble how you grew up I have to say like the suburb that I grew up in was certainly not as color like this is clearly a heightened version of the suburbs in the movie you know that's like Lisa lives in this pink house and you know there's this kind of like vaporwave aesthetic in the whole movie and I have to say like the sub the Chicago suburbs in the 80s were not quite so colorful (laughs) but uh you know, I I still wanted to set it there because that's you know that that was my childhood. Oh, it was it was a great movie. Um, actually, we had a question about the like development, the character development between the creature and Lisa was so profound. And I mean, I personally, I know you too. We were talking about how the creature brings out this this profound confidence in Lisa, and I thought that was just so beautifully written so beautifully done and 
and developed over like just the life of the movie. Can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, so the reason that Lisa gains confidence is because she has gone through this traumatic event, right? And no one has listened to her for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And she is she's just been kind of forced to power through her grief. And the creature coming into her life allows her to really embrace her emotions, be heard by someone who never interrupts and physically Mm -hmm. can't because he has no tongue. And he just just that process of being seen and heard is so, um, I think, invigorating for her. And we also see him coming back to life through through what she gives him. So it's kind of beautiful. It reminded me uh, a lot of, of like a therapy session. Like this was just her literally working through the process of what you were just saying of like dealing with the loss of her mom and, and I mean all so that. much of what I write is like therapy for myself. So mm. it's probably not surprising that that vibe comes through. Yeah, no, I lo- I loved that piece of it. I can't even imagine being the actor, like being Cole and having to like figure that out. Like yeah, I'd imagine, I imagine it's a lot of like stage direction, right? Like for him, I mean, the lack yeah. of dialogue, you have to really run with the direction. Well, I've apologized to Cole because I said, look, I really didn't give you anything. Like I gave you nothing <laughs> to work with. Um, You had no lines and I did my best with the stage direction. But honestly, he created that performance. Like he created the creature and Zelda, our director, who's incredible, she 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 and he crafted that together so i can take no credit for the creature um i i it that's that's really it's really a cool thing to write a character and with no lines and then watch that character um come to life in this totally unexpected way i was gonna say what was that like just like watching him take what you written or i guess in this case didn't technically write but what you know create and and see what he did with it and the facial expressions alone were like yeah i didn't even oh like i goodness. knew he was in the movie but when when he first appears on screen i i was like is that cole sprouse yeah. like he really transformed he owned it into this character to the point where i didn't recognize any of his mannerisms mm-hmm. besides the way he looks i mean and he's playing a creature he's not one in real life but <laughs> I was I I had a look I had a look and be like is that Cole Sprouse and, yeah. and I think I even went back to you know the email or that 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 we were discussing the movie and and was like yeah it is he's excellent in it yeah he re- they all are yeah such well, that a, was such what a great was cast. so you know when we when you put out a movie they make you focus group at first I say they make you the studio <laughs> has sets up these focus group screenings and people who know nothing about the movie come in and then they give you notes on it right. And testing this movie was so fun because all of a sudden, like halfway through the movie, I'm sitting in the theater and I hear people going, oh, my God, Cole Sprouse, because it took them, you know, that long. Yeah. that It was him because they didn't know there's no opening credits or anything. So they didn't even know who it was until like he gets, you know, he comes out of the tanning bed maybe the third time with his new hand. And that suddenly, you know, it was... uh it was just cool. Like, he really did disappear into it. His fans couldn't even recognize him. I think all Cole Sprouse fans will be Blown really away. surprised. Yeah. To and see, excited. To see him in this role. Mm-hmm, for sure. For sure. So this is kind of a general question, um, not necessarily just for Lisa Frankenstein, but just curious, like, 
it just writing a script to somebody who doesn't write scripts, right, feels so daunting. Like, what is your process when you first start writing a script? Like, how do you begin? What does it start with? Like, I'd imagine it's like you have like this kind of general plot in your head that you're kind of running with or maybe just like an end game or like, like how do you start? Well, my process has changed a little bit over the years because back in the day, I used to just jump into it and I wouldn't even know how the movie was going to end. Um, and I wrote Juno that way. I wrote Jennifer's Body that way. It wasn't until probably the last 10 years that I've started having a more formal process where I really sit down and I outline and I know exactly what I'm going to do going into it. I think... And and honestly, that's it's a smarter way to approach a project is to be like fully prepared and to almost do the writer version of shot of what a director would do with a shot list. Um, mm. But I I think I was so stubborn about that for a long time because I it, I had had so much success early in my career that I was like, why would I change my process? And then I realized at a certain point, like, no, it's actually good to hone your craft and to, um, you know brush up on your technique and now I now I won't go into a script without an outline. So yeah, I do sit down, I break the story first. Um and but the the one thing I always go into it with is like a sense of freedom and play. I never go, okay, I'm writing this movie and this is going to be a studio movie and it's going to star so and so. Never. I go into it like I'm 20 years old, I have nothing to lose and I'm writing it for fun. And mm. that's that's my secret because that's what that's what keeps kind of a, a spirit of of creativity and play in it. I, I can't write from like a corporate perspective. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. You're not held down by the man. Yeah, because like <laughs> honestly, and I'll tell you why, because in the past, I have actually sat down and been like, okay, one thing I've never done, I've never written like it, you know, a huge commercial blockbuster movie ever. I, and I, I've sat down and going like, oh, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then like it never works out because I just... If I don't personally feel what I'm writing, it's a disaster. It has to be oh, something that I actually care about. Ferris, what do you think one of the biggest health challenges? Oh, for are? sure, weight management. Exactly. Yo-yo dieting, losing weight, putting it back on. Trying the latest fad, it not working. Exactly. Feeling like a failure. Feeling like a failure is the worst feeling when it comes to weight loss. And then getting discouraged. What if I told you I knew of something that could help with this? I would 100% want to know. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. That's amazing. And I love how it's over a year. That's so important for sustainability. Exactly. The slow weight loss. The slow burn. <laughs> over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. Roe body program members have support throughout the process. Roe's partner handles all of the insurance paperwork to help get medication covered. If eligible for medication, patients have access to their provider on demand for any questions. You can sign up online from the comfort of your own home. This means no scheduling a doctor's appointment, no commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting room. That sounds amazing, especially for parents not having to... Yeah. Leave home. Or people that work. Yeah. Having to get that appointment. How convenient. 
Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year, like I said, with healthy lifestyle changes. It's important to note that you do have to pair both. Um, BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash do. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash D-E-U-X. Do you have a special spot where you like to write? Yeah, I'm actually in my closet right now. <laughs> and that's Oh, I, I like to be in a small either at home in a small enclosed space like a closet or I do also famously I like to write in food courts and I don't know why that is. It's oh, about the ambient noise court. and the people oh. watching that gets me into a good place. That's very 80s of you. Yeah, that well, is no, it is. I'll go to the mall and I'll park in the food court, except unfortunately, like over the years, a lot of screenwriters have started doing that in L.A. And that makes it a little less fun. Because you don't oh, want to be like one of 10 assholes with laptops at the mall food court. <laughs> I would never expect that to be a place where someone would be able to write. I feel like it would be so distracting. Maybe. But then like for character development, there's so many different people there. I'm sure you like guess, kind yeah. of pull inspiration from people you say. Good point. You, see, you yeah. pull inspiration and it also keeps me like a lot. Most of the time, although unfortunately this is changing there, most of the time there isn't Wi-Fi at the mall. So mm. like it keeps me off the distractions because otherwise I will literally be on like Dumont <laughs> or anything else. <laughs> I love my celebrity <laughs> gossip. That is my biggest distraction in life. So oh thank you yeah a lot of people consume it the same way you described it like lighthearted distraction you know but then there's also the people that take it very seriously I love it it's like sports for me <laughs> yeah who do you get excited about hearing uh news about oh man I mean I'm I'm always here's the thing I'm excited about this new Ariana Grande era so, and I just feel like things have been a little chaotic over in that world. And mm-hmm. I'm so, yeah, I'm interested in like Wicked Tea. I'm interested in, um, of course, I love to hear about Taylor. Um, I love, I mean, I just, I-, I love award shows. I watched the Grammys the other night. Like Jay-Z's out there <laughs> saying some people don't deserve to be in the category. I love that stuff. <laughs> um, that's the, that's. You know, I love I love a little bit. I love a little dust up. Yeah. Yeah. What's your take on um, this lip reading epidemic that's happening at all the award shows? Well, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It, it's the same way like a lot of the fun was ruined by iPhones, because back in the day, I feel like so much more fun, salacious shit used to go down because people weren't worried about being caught. And now everyone is going to be so careful in public. We're just going to get these like robots. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. that that lip reading thing with with Timmy and Selena, like that was probably yeah. the end of an era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taylor brought a fan to the Grammys to cover her mouth when she was talking to her seatmates. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw. So, yeah. yeah. Which is actually kind of like really smart. It's be- funny. It, it was funny. It was funny. It was her. smart. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was a good way to, you know, shoot it down. I think it's ridiculous because nobody really can read lips. Even the lip readers, I feel like, get it wrong because 
you know, the people aren't looking at the camera. Like sometimes they're mumbling and it, and mm-hmm. it just turns into this big drama that I, you know, I try to stay out of the fray on that one. But a, a dangerous game of telephone. It's a da- well, Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, you never know if something's just being completely misreported, but it's fun to speculate. Yeah. You should write a whole script, Diablo, <laughs> of just people. <laughs> lip- yeah, like <laughs> silent. You know, and and they're just <laughs> they're just lip reading. Yeah, like you, there is a script, but we can't hear it. No sound. That's like a Steven Soderbergh movie. Like that's totally. like a mental movie. I like that. <laughs> You're so right. Yes, pass my ideas on there. <laughs> <laughs> so so we hear you know to do's uh, excitement over Jennifer's body. We hear about this possible sequel. Can you share anything? It's so funny because when I first talked about this, I had no idea anybody would be remotely interested. Like, and then I've been asked about it so much that it delights me because I'm like, okay, this is now I have proof. I have receipts to bring Mm -hmm. to financiers and say, look, people want this because I got to be honest with you, like getting a sequel made to a movie that did not perform financially is very difficult because most of these people are not creatives. They're just looking at the numbers. They're running the numbers and they're going, okay, the movie flopped. Why the hell would we make a sequel to it? And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, a lot of people love this movie and it's found a much bigger audience over the years. So the more uh, proof I can get that's true, the better. (laughs) That must be the best feeling, though. Something that you were really excited about writing and then seeing that kind of years down the line come back to life. Yeah. The Vindication has been honestly one of the most certainly the most healing thing that has ever happened to me in my professional life. And it's been personal, personally healing as well. Like to have something get dragged that hard, um, which it really was dragged. And then to have people now say, oh, we were wrong. Like it's a fantasy. <laughs> it feels so oh, good. Congrats. I love that. I love that movie. I don't care you really what do. any of the critics say. I thought it was an excellent story from beginning to end and looking back now on the two female leads Megan Fox is having like a major renaissance I mean as someone who runs a celebrity brand I get asked about her all the time there is huge interest in Megan Fox where they are all the time yeah well Megan Fox and And Sheila Kelly but also on her own she 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 creates a lot of she has created a lot of interest over the past couple of years and Amanda Seyfried obviously has proven to be I think one of our time's best actresses Mm -hmm. I agree with that Amanda's insane she's so good in that bad blood but um the Megan I mean I want to know more about Megan and she's my friend like she is one of the most intriguing like she has mystique in a way that so few celebrities have in this day and age. And so I think that's probably why if you get a lot of inquiries about her, it's because she's like fascinating. She's like our Elizabeth Taylor or something. And um, I think she's just iconic. And she was so ahead of her time as a performer, because at the time, I don't think people could accept that this complicated intellectual person was that gorgeous. Yes, I th- I think I think that that's it. You're right. And I think maybe this is her time because I feel like so much has happened in our in our world and our society that like people understand her better now. Yeah, than I they did. They and and also I want to say I just want to add this and I'm sure you could back it up. People want to know what she's like because back then she got so much shit 
for how she was so outspoken. I have not heard one bad thing about Megan Fox as a person or anyone who's worked with her had one bad thing to say. So the hate that she got around like the Transformer time, and I'm sorry, I don't know the years of Transformer to Jennifer bo- Jennifer's body. I don't know if it was around the same time, but it was. It was a, it was in the same era and she did not deserve any no. of that static and she's also such a professional and and like yeah, incredibly no one has anything negative to say about her. So the fact that people would look at that situation and say poor Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But they did. That's like the kind of if that happened now, forget it. Like people would stand behind her, rally behind her. It wouldn't be the same situation. But back then she got so raked over the coals and it was such a shame because, like I said, like now that I hear everything about everyone, I've never heard a bad thing about her. And I was like, wow, what a misunderstood person. And it just made me want to take the opportunity to say what I've heard about her every time her name comes up, which is why I'm bringing it up. Because and I'm I, glad, I, I, and I will vouch for that as someone who's yeah. with her. is She's a delight. And I think um, at the time, the attitude was just that young women should be grateful for attention and fame. And mm-hmm. if you had any complaints about how you were treated or objectified, it meant you were ungrateful and difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Lisa Frankenstein comes out Friday, February 9th, February 9th. Go see it. Go see it. Um, I mean, so, uh, talk about original screenplay. I've never seen a movie like this before. I mean, obviously, so obviously Frankenstein was, was an inspiration, but there's yeah. so much more to it. Oh yeah. I don't want to give it away. Don't like, give it away. I was talking to Ferris. I'm like, we, we were coming up with questions. I'm like, ah, that gives it away. I don't want to give yeah, anything yeah. away because I feel like you don't really know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It is a very surprising plot. I didn't know where it was going either. The first 10 minutes, I'm like, hmm. Right. Wait a second. What's happening here? Right. This won't give it away, but you're like, okay, she loves this statue. Yeah. Okay, what's (laughs) going to happen? It's it's an interesting movie to get into because once once it starts rolling, you're like, okay, I get what this is. But at first, especially because it is an offbeat movie, at first you're like, is this funny? Like, what is (laughs) it? It's like the tone of it is is a tricky one to capture, but that's the beauty of it though those those are the intriguing projects right the ones where you really have to guess what the tone of the film is and what's gonna happen next yeah yeah of course there's a party scene in the beginning which i love i love a movie with like a getting ready scene or a party party, especially in 80s yeah yeah going back so what's next for you uh, what is next? Oh, I'm working on this Anon Please project. I don't know about it. Um, that's very exciting. It's always uh, TV development is always slow going. So, but that has been, that has been actually a major focus for me recently. And also, just uh, wrote another movie over the summer, another teen comedy because I'm suddenly obsessed with teenagers again after years Ugh. of. Writing. Grown-ups. I love so I love YA. I love YA. Me? I never got we're, over it. We're like yeah. captains of the YA school I'm back. over yeah. here. <laughs> so I'm back. Yay! <laughs> I feel like I have to do it while I still can because at some point, like I'm just gonna have to hang it up. But I'm, I'm I love it. And so that's what I've been up to. Can you tell us anything about the direction of Anon, please? Like, what is your vision? Like, are you going to I, I don't know anything about, you know, adapting a book to a TV series, do you, you keep it close to the plot in the book or you think you'll go off that? 
So he, the the book is really obviously it's the core of the the whole series. So it's important to to be faithful to the events of the book. And at the same time, what's so fun about a series is you can really expand it and create new characters and drama. I think it's I think people are going to laugh their asses off because I'm writing it with Ryan O'Connell, who's one of the funniest people alive. And we really want to keep that spirit of like not campy, but like. We, we we don't want it to just be like straight soapy drama. We want it to be sharp and funny and incisive and satirical and, and really make a statement on the world of celebrities and the currency of information, which, as you know, is it's it's a whole thing, you know, how much this info is worth. So we, we've just been having a lot of fun with it. I get asked this question like pretty weekly or biweekly. Who do you see as playing the main character Cricket? if you Uh, had a cast we don't this is the thing i never speak to these things before we've gone out to people because it can put you in the ass oh okay because you never want to like put out like oh we want this person and then it's not them and then like you know what i mean like so i just i know that's not a fun answer but i i just try to keep it wide open and then you hope that um you hope that a person who's really meaningful and has a lot of fans signs on because that's always helpful yeah for sure well, I'm excited. Oh, I'm beyond excited. I can't I wait to see this come to life. And I mean, I, I must say that like a lot's happened in my world since the oh, yeah. ending of Anon Please because we kind of ended it really at the beginning of the story. Yeah. So, well, who wants more info- to pass on along more information for us? We love it. I am so excited for you to be working on this project when I heard this obviously I mean I've talked about Jennifer's body 500 times during this interview um I like almost died I was so excited because that is one of my all-time favorite movies so thank you so much thank you I don't even I don't I mean this is the second time we spoke thank you so much for even being interested um for to work on this project it means the world to me I'm it blew me away when I found out that you'd be writing it well, it's we're we're blown away that we get to do it. So thank you. Okay, you guys. Lisa Frankenstein. Friday. Friday, February 9th. Will it be released in theaters nationwide? I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, just checking. Because you never yeah. know what these days with- it's like weird. No, no, it's gonna be out, it's gonna be out there. Every, everybody go see it, please, this weekend. Yes. Yes, everyone go see Lisa to Frankenstein. A, to an actual movie theater, sit in an actual seat inside of right theater we forget what that's like but it is so fun literally this is a fun one to see in the theater too and i know everyone says that but it really is because it feels like the 80s when we actually did go to the movies so yeah that's such a good point that's such a good point well diablo thank you so much for coming on the podcast taking time to speak with us and we look forward to Yay. See what you have coming cooking up next why a bring back the young adult yeah my favorite genre Mine too. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all of their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu.
Here on Do You, we do not like misleading info. That's why I do my best to be transparent with the most up-to-date intel on all of your favorite celebs. You can trust that I will never intentionally dupe you. Sadly, in life, we do have to deal with a lot of sneaky terms, annoying bill hikes, and exorbitant fees that we did not anticipate. We call that yada yada. Here on Do You, we do not like yada yada. Now, you could spend all of your time combing through contracts, or you could just skip the hassle and go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile, helping you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada. Never settle for less. I know I never do. And now that I don't have to worry about sneaky yada yada, I have time to dedicate my time to making the best content for you guys. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Well, that was so much fun. She's a delight. She is talking to um, an industry veteran and someone who actually creates the work mm-hmm. that, that we, we all enjoy. That we all gossip love. about. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, that we all enjoy. Um, I well, think that fans of Cole Sprouse. They're going to be shocked. They're going to be shocked. Yeah. To see him and Lisa Frankenstein. Because I, t- I too did like double take that. I was like, wait a second. Because you knew it was him. Right. Because we knew who was in it. Yes. But you were like, is that him? Like, maybe he plays another role. Like, I thought he'd be playing the heartthrob. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the... The jock. The jock, yeah. yeah. Um, but very uh, That'd be too easy. You're right. Not like that's easy, but, you know. I know what you mean. Like, yeah, he, like yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that would be too typical. Like, typical thank casting. You. That's what I meant. Correct, correct, um, correct. Okay, well, let's get into the topics of the week. Okay, we're going to start with a little F1 news. So our first topic is about Lewis Hamilton moving to Ferrari next year. Okay, yeah. So... A lot of people, when this was announced, asked me if I had any inside information. I didn't, but the audience did. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of responses to this. We bullet pointed them because I basically had to read through everyone's response. A lot of people said the same things and um, sort of make a little summary of what everyone said. So this is a combination of all the answers regarding why Lewis Hamilton left Mercedes for Ferrari. This might be information that the fans already know, but if you are a more casual F1 fan, this might be news to you. Mm -hmm. So we should first start out by kind of comparing and contrasting what Lewis Hamilton put out there via his um, Instagram account a couple days ago. So he did mention that after an incredible 11 years at Mercedes, the time's come for him to start a new chapter and he said he was joining Ferrari uh, starting in 2025. He's saying, quote, the time is right to make a change, to, quote, take on a new challenge. And that Mercedes has been a huge part of his life since he was 13 years old. And that leaving Mercedes was, quote, the hardest decision I've ever had to make. So um, he seems like he's just looking to move to Ferrari um, to fulfill this other childhood dream of his. So it was a dream to work for Mercedes and to be on that team. And now it's also a dream for him to be on 
Ferrari's team as well. Right. But there were other reasons why he made the move. Mm -hmm. So let's just rattle off. Okay. So it seems like from the intel that we received, there's kind of three different reasons for the move. So the first one was really a better contract. So our sources said that Mercedes only gave him a two-year contract with the option to leave after one year, and Lewis wanted more. Uh, Ferrari gave him a multi-year contract plus a 10-year ambassadorship, $100 million a year to race, plus a sizable donation to his personal charities, which is something Mercedes was not willing to do. And Mercedes wasn't going to allow him to be able to be a brand ambassador until around 2035. So it would be quite a while until he'd have that opportunity. Um, Our sources said another reason was that Ferrari had a better machine, a better car. So Lewis thought Ferrari would be able to produce the car that will make him win again. He's always said he wanted to drive for Ferrari before he retired. So this was an opportunity for him. And there was also this rumor, allegedly, that Mercedes didn't take his suggestions to improve their car. And Hamilton expressed concerns over the design of Mercedes' car, along with one of their top engineers and head of vehicle performance, Lewis Serra. But Mercedes didn't listen to their suggestions, apparently. So um, this engineer, this head of vehicle performance, Lewis Serra, was poached by Ferrari first, and then Hamilton followed his decision to to join the Ferrari team. And the third reason our sources gave was that Lewis Hamilton has had a long-standing relationship with a lot of the players from Ferrari. Lewis has had a particular great relationship with the Ferrari team principal Fred Vasseur, going back to Lewis's years in the lower racing series with Fred. And the Ferrari chair John Elkin also reportedly pursued Lewis for quite a while. And in one of our readers' opinions, Mercedes took Lewis for granted and then messed around and found out when Ferrari swooped in with a better contract. Really, offer. really, the reader said fucked around and found out. Yeah, You're trying yeah. to keep it. I was. I was trying to keep it vanilla today. Yeah. So this reader said that Mercedes fucked around and found out. And L- Lewis was basically like, I'm going to Ferrari. I'm out. Yeah. 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 So that's that's what we heard versus what. Lewis posted publicly right which is always tip of the iceberg right you're never gonna get the whole story the whole story again I don't know if this is particularly any insider information this is just what everyone submitted when the question came up on an IG Q&A so I would thank everyone for filling me in I like to post about F1 I just don't know enough about it and obviously the people who submitted no they no know. they know it's like the bachelor the bachelor f1 God. it's all just basically i know nothing we're learning we're learning we everything. come up nuts when it comes to this <laughs> stuff guys <laughs> our, our second topic is another f1 um story about christian horner who is former spice girl jerry hallowell's husband and principal of the red bull racing team He is under investigation for, quote, inappropriate behavior. So uh, just a little synopsis of what we know so far. Um, The Daily Mail had published yesterday an article that outlined that um, they understand the accusations are surrounding claims of wrongdoing made by a team employee. 
And a source within the Red Bull team added that the claims under scrutiny related to, quote, incredibly controlling behavior. Um, but Christian, he's denying all these claims at this stage, and he's referring to them as, quote, nuts. Nuts? Nuts. Oh, nuts again. Um, okay, we had a couple sources write in about this. The first person says, quote, that Christian Horner thing is about to be wild. Honestly, I think he's going to have to take a step back, possibly. We will see how much so during the new livery reveal next Thursday. This person also alleges that they heard it was a female engineer at Red Bull that filed the complaint. It's most likely sexual harassment. It's a good thing they're bringing in an outside company to do the investigation so it shows no bias. Also, Red Bull is doing the investigation, not Red Bull Racing. So it's even more of a massive deal. That is what that person alleges. Somebody else chimed in with this following information. I don't know if it's confirmed. Again, this is just a rumor. This person says, quote, Horner has been asked to resign and go quietly or be fired on Friday. Adrian Newey who has designed half the championship winning cars for Williams, McLaren, and Red Bull over the past 30 years, is likely to resign and only there because of Horner. Uh, this person continues that Adrian will most likely join Ferrari when Lewis arrives. His last two dreams of his career were to work for Ferrari and Lewis. This person alleges that Horner sent the strategy girl an inappropriate picture and was very controlling towards her and others. And she filed a report and they got an external barrister to investigate. So the controlling towards her is what the Daily Mail used to. They use that same word controlling. I don't really understand what that means. And nobody's really going into uh, specifics. Um, As far as the inappropriate picture um this person says they think they think that's what happened they are not 100% sure um but they reiterate the controlling the part the controlling part so i i don't have any insight as to what that controlling behavior entails but this is the information well that's yeah that's really all we have yeah at this stage okay what's next first the grammys okay um you know everybody Always wants Grammy after party gossip. Unfortunately, coming up nuts. I don't I don't get a lot of after party gossip in general. I've said this before. Sometimes I get information like months or weeks after the event. So that might be the case here. Um, but we did have a seat filler send in some observations as they were filling seats throughout the night. I'm just going to rattle off what they wrote. It's it's like in a uh, bullet point format. This person says a weirdly high number of celebrities tried taking photos with Jelly Roll. They allege Taylor Swift was drinking a lot and that people around this seat filler were talking about it. Um, they also say that SZA had the most support from the floor. Second was Miley. 
SZA was the one artist the Academy members were really vocal of supporting. The next bullet point is when they do a countdown to being live after a commercial break, they asked for quiet and Taylor proceeded to talk enough for people to hear her rose away. But it only happened once. They continue, no one really approached Mark Ronson and that made me really sad. They all went to his mother-in-law, Meryl Streep. Uh, and they finished by saying everyone was late due to the rain. It was crazy. These are some interesting. Nothing crazy. Observations. No, nothing crazy. I think some of this we saw as uh, viewers. Yeah, as yeah. viewers. Yeah, we saw Taylor definitely enjoying herself. Yeah, she was like up and at it the whole time. Yeah. On her feet, enjoying mm-hmm. the performances. Mm-hmm. Supporting her fellow musicians right probably having a cocktail or two which in my opinion like we're not going to get into this because i don't have any inside information uh the whole celine dion situation i think that obviously it was a mistake i don't think that she intentionally snubbed celine dion if she was partying and having a good time she could have just been like out of it and overwhelmed when she went i was gonna say I can't even imagine what, I mean, I don't care how many times that you step onto a stage to receive an award. That's, that has to be, like you said, an overwhelming, surreal experience every single time. I'm sure it was something similar to that. I think she made a mistake. I don't think it was right what she did. I think. But not intentional. But not not intentional. I think it was a mistake. I think obviously, you know, the internet loves to go on a witch hunt Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know pin people to the proverbial cross correct um and inflate really what the reality of the situation right the reality of the situation is we don't know like only she knows and Mm -hmm. she probably won't speak on it right as she rarely speaks on anything you know i think her time magazine interview was one of the only times last year that she really really opened up about stuff i didn't even read it did she, did she talk about a lot of personal yeah i thought so information? from the clip from the uh, excerpts i read yeah um so maybe she'll she'll talk about this you know in an interview down the line i don't think that she's going to give celine dion a public apology i know people are calling for that i just don't think that'll happen hmm. okay what's next nhl blind items okay so I didn't realize that this would cause such a stir, but in yesterday's Instagram Q&A, somebody submitted, years ago, the Tom Brady of hockey tried to take me back to his hotel room. He was engaged. And I said to the audience, like, rhetorically, like, who is the Tom Brady of hockey? Like, you know, I'm not even sure if I know who that is. Granted, I know probably like five hockey players off the top of my head, although I'm learning more because the audience is really into hockey. So they're they're teaching me who all the popular players are. Some of the guesses were Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid was a popular guess, and Wayne Gretzky. But Wayne Gretzky's a lot older. I went back and I checked out this person's IG profile and she looks rather young so I feel like Wayne Gretzky is out is out an overwhelming amount of guesses on this um I think that the person saw that I kept posting about it the the submitter so she reached out and she said the following hi it's it's me the messenger 
It was not Sidney Crosby, although he's my number one hockey crush. The player is not Canadian like Sid and not American. I don't want to reveal his identity because he seems grown up now, but he is 100% considered one of the greatest of all times. I'm such a hockey fan. It was incredible to be in his presence at this club, but was enough of a fan to know he was engaged and didn't want to do anything inappropriate. So a missed opportunity I am definitely at peace with. Wow. Hats off to that stand-up reader submitter. Well, first of all, thank you for offering this information because I would have had to double back through the Q&A, find their submission, and then uh, message them. But they reached out. So I appreciate that. So I guess we're not going to get an answer. You guys can still guess, but nothing will ever be able to be confirmed. The player is not Canadian and not American. When Sidney Crosby's name kept coming up, there were people who wrote in and said, there's no way it could be him. He's such a stand-up guy. He's so nice. He's so private. He's so quiet. I've heard some stories about Sidney Crosby in the past. I think I even posted a couple. Uh, and last night, when the Q&A was cooking, somebody submitted this. Sidney Crosby tried hooking up with my friend the night she was celebrating her 18th birthday at a club in Montreal and then tried to booty call her multiple times during our freshman year of college. He was 28 at the time, a non-please. So my point is, I don't think Sidney Crosby's the angel that everyone thinks he is. I think he's just a normal guy. That's what guys do, you know? Mm -hmm. Some of them are dogs. Yeah. As we know, athletes are more doggy than others. Than others. Men. Yeah. Than other men. <laughs> we talk about it a lot. We talk, we've ranked, we've ranked by sport the number one cheating athletes. Like, not sorry, not their names, but the sport that they play. Uh-huh. Hockey and baseball being tied for number one. Really? This is also based on reader opinion. I've, I've never done a poll, you know, oh. an official poll of which sport cheats the most. But based on reader opinion, baseball, hockey, then basketball, football, like football, like as much as hockey and baseball cheats, like football was less. I was going to say, because that makes I, sense. Think about this, right? With football, you're only technically, besides practice, which obviously you do all week, I'd imagine, but you only have to be away from your family for that one game a week, wherever that may be. So, and the reason I kind of know this is because I listened to um, a podcast where Peyton Manning was talking about just like how it's it's the best sport if you're a family person. So that, to me, that does make sense that football would be lower in the ranks because they have to be home more. And baseball has the most amount of games per season. So there you go. You're away. That's why. Lot. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Like there's like three games per, you know, series or whatever. Right. So my point is I wouldn't assume that just because a hockey player is a nice guy or a good guy that he's not doing whatever other things. athlete yeah is doing and might i remind everyone cheating is not illegal in the <laughs> united states of america <laughs> i feel like people talk about it like it's a crime i mean yeah it sucks but it's not a nice thing to do but it's uh, not illegal um you won't get ticketed no you won't get thrown in jail right 
Okay, what's next, Ferris? Sean Mendez. This is a quick update. I forgot to tell you guys this. We put it in the newsletter on Sunday. And I've also told IG subscribers this. But we got this update about Sean and I forgot to tell you guys. So this is kind of an older update. But I think some people will be happy to hear that a source wrote in and reported, quote, Sean ended things with Charlie before Christmas. Also, he's no longer part of the men's group he was in. As far as my source knows, he was never part of the cult we at one point thought he was in. They think the group was leveraging any connection with Sean to get some press. Sean is spending a lot of time in Costa Rica. Can't you just picture him like on the shores of Costa Rica, like just surfing? I don't know. Journaling. For sure. It seems like his happy place. Yeah. Somebody just asked me when he's releasing new music. I know he's working on new music. I don't know when any release dates. I haven't asked about any release dates for anyone. That goes for Gaga, Billie Eilish, Shawn Mendes, any other Taylor release dates. I haven't heard about any of that. All I've heard, and somebody actually uh, backed me up with this in the DMs this morning, is that Harry Styles is touring in 2025. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Are you going to go? We should go. Oh, my God. Should we go? Yeah. Let's go. I love his music. Let's go. Okay. What's next, Ferris? Okay. King Charles being diagnosed with cancer. Right. So this morning on CNN, um, they reported that Charles' recent health problems started last month when Buckingham Palace announced on January 17th that the king would attend hospital um, to undergo a, quote, corrective procedure, end quote, for a benign enlarged prostate. That's what the royal family is putting out there as far as what's happening with King Charles. Read me the line about the prostate again. They are saying that it was a corrective procedure. Okay, corrective procedure. Okay, so first of all, you know, we wish King Charles the best. I received a lot of questions about this in the Q&A. Same with Kate Middleton. Information gets released to the media, but of course, you know, people don't believe it or understand it. I think that's what happened with Kate Middleton. We talked about her in a previous podcast episode. As far as King Charles, this is what was relayed to me. Okay, read me that prostate line one more time because that's important. Corrective procedure for a benign enlarged prostate. Right. So this person is alleging that he had full removal of his prostate gland, which is not uncommon. But it could mean that it was actually removed because it was cancerous, which they don't say, right? They just say a corrective issue. Mm -hmm. Right. During this procedure, apparently that's when they found something. Right. Cancerous. Right. It was like one of those situations where... So they're kind of... They're saying all the words. They're just not linking them together. So this source is alleging that he had full removal of his prostate gland, which could mean that, in fact, he has prostate cancer, 
but that it was found in his lymph nodes. They continue that they heard he will be undergoing radiation and not chemotherapy. And the prognosis is very good. Um, They say that they didn't want to disclose the prostate gland removal, which is why they're calling it a correction, because the main side effects are incontinence and erectile dysfunction. That's what this person is alleging. Why that's, they're saying why they're saying it the right? Way they why are. it's sort of like wordplay, mm-hmm. saying it but like not really saying it. And you know, I had a conversation with this person, and I said to them, "What's the big deal?" And wh- what they explained to me, which I didn't understand, is that the British are very hush hush about you know things like this. Like it's almost like you don't talk about very taboo. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. talk about erectile dysfunction. That or, doesn't exist. Right. Or, you know, whatever's going on with Kate Middleton, her yeah. bowel, um, or whatever's going on. Right. So it's like inappropriate in, in British culture. Inappropriate, right. So they, they're approaching their release of information a little differently. But the reason I kept asking to asking you to repeat that sentence, because I do think it is saying in a way the same thing what this source alleges. Without saying it. That was a lot of finger pointing. I know I was finger pointing because I had to like, you have to think about it. It's like you have to read between the lines. I feel like I've said this a bunch of times. You have to read between the lines. You have to read beyond the headline. You have to read the way things are worded. I mean, this is something that I've had to learn when I'm putting things in my own words. The way you say something is very important, which is why I always get upset when people say that I've said things that I haven't, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, people will say, well, you're not saying them, but you're spreading them. Well, I, fine. I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not spreading the information, but I, you know, if I don't, if an email is posted and it's not my words, that's not me saying it. I'm just trying to make that distinction. Um, because, because I've learned to be very careful with my wording. Yeah. I mean, in, in every scenario, not right. just in this particular business right in life so i think as far as the royals go it's a lot of wordplay i think the important thing to take from this is that the prognosis is very good they caught it early and they're handling it yeah we have one more topic what early aughts gossip oh and i had to look up what early aughts was because i was born yesterday okay thank you ferris for reminding me how could i have forgotten um so this was a question that was posed in a Q&A. Somebody wanted early aughts gossip, much like we do lightning round at the end of a podcast episode based on IG questions. I'm just going to lightning round the answers to early aughts gossip. I'm going to just rattle them off with no context and we could dive into any of these answers further if you'd like. This was the question. Let's talk about 2000s gossip. Who cheated? Who hooked up with who? Rumors, etc. I picked out the best answers. This person says, Michelle Branch wrote most of hotel paper about Taylor Hansen. That is Taylor Hansen of Hansen, the group Hansen. Um, This person says, I heard Brad Pitt hooked up with Robin Givens when she was married to Mike Tyson. Brave. I heard that too. I feel like they dated. Sting cheated on his wife at a strip club in Houston in 2000. Did Rachel Bilson cheat on Adam Brody with Zach Braff like the rumors said? I'm going with a no. I haven't heard that rumor, so I I would love to hear more. I saw Chris Martin and Kate Bosworth leaving a killer show in 2008. Never kissed? Hmm. I guess they maintained that they were always just friends, so this person is saying, 
Obviously, they dated. Nothing is more 2000s than when my best friend used to hook up with Gavin DeGraw. Okay, I've deep dived into Gavin DeGraw several times. If you are an early Demois reader. Is he problematic? Kind of, yeah. This is for Charmed fans. Somebody says, OG Charmed Affairs. Phoebe with Leo. Phoebe's Alyssa Milano and Leo is... Brian Krause. And Prue with Cole. Prue is Shannon. And who's Cole? Julian McMahon. I, yeah, I think I heard about those two. I didn't hear about Alyssa and Brian, but I heard about Shannon and Julian McMahon, who's so hot. Mm. Brad and Angelina used to sneak off to the Parker in Palm Springs while he was married. I had a friend who was hooking up with Ben Harper while he was married to Laura Dern. Mom from Seventh Heaven got a DUI or PI during the run of the show and it was covered up. All the actors caught sleeping with the nanny, Jude Law, Ethan Hawke, etc. I think Tom Brady, is he on that list? Ben Affleck, one of the two. Rumor, Nicole Kidman cheated on Tom Cruise with Ewan McGregor while they made Moulin Rouge. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Don't know if that's true, but... Michael C. Hall ruining his marriage to Jennifer Carpenter because of Julia Stiles. Whoa. I never heard of that one. Wait. This person says Charlotte and Big, the actors hooked up. What happened there? Okay. That is um, Kristen Davis and Chris Noth. That is not who I heard hooked up on that set. Let's just put it that way. And that's it. Those were the best ones. The best submissions. Well, there you have it. Rattled off with no context. Early aught. Early aughts. Aughts. <laughs> okay, guys. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week. Ta-ta. Bye. This has been a production of Cadence 13, an Odyssey studio. New episodes of Do You will air every Thursday. See you next week.